Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 249 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and uh, in a rare occurrence, I'm coming to you guys on a Saturday. I'm recording this on Friday evening. Uh, there were some technical difficulties on Thursday night. I wanted to record the podcast to have it posted on Friday, but uh, it happens, and uh, in the off season, it's not, not a huge problem, obviously. So uh, here we are with a fresh episode on the weekend. So I hope you guys are enjoying uh, the weekend. Um, definitely want to uh, be thinking about, and if you uh, are one of those people who would do that, I'd be praying about um, the hurricanes and things that have been, you know, obviously going with Hurricane Harvey in Houston and obviously now with Hurricane Irma bearing down in Florida. I know I've got some family and friends affected. I'm, I'm sure you guys do as well. So keep uh, keep an eye on that for sure. And uh, in the meantime, we'll talk some basketball here on the podcast. Without, with that said, uh, I do want to uh, talk about a little bit. Of the headliner for today's show is going to be the point guard preview. We're going to be starting, uh, basically going to be previewing all five positions. Uh, I know that's not exactly ideal because um, for me, uh, it's basically point guard, wing, and big man uh, at this point in time. But that sort of let, lets me break things down to a little bit more manageable format. If I did the only three previews, it'd be very long previews. So I'm, I wanted to stretch them out into five. And for the most part, most guys on the roster can be described at least uh, specifically as a one, two, three, four, or five, and the point guard one is especially easy. So we'll kick that off later in the podcast. There is a couple of uh, news items to get to, though, before we get to the point guards. And uh, number one on that list uh, is the reported uh, arrest and charge of Miles Plumley. Uh, he was um, this was a, this was initially reported by Peter Vesey, longtime NBA reporter. Um, on his Patreon page, and then uh, Ball Don't Lie from Yahoo uh, found the police record of this um, from the shutter from a Shelter Island reporter out in Long Island, New York. Um, Pl- Plumley was arrested and issued a field appearance ticket for criminal possession of marijuana. That was the uh, quote from the Shelter Island reporter. Um, as actually in the fifth degree, he posted a hundred dollar cash bail. That was back on August twentieth. Uh, this is sort of old news now. It was a couple of days ago at this point when this sort of broke, and obviously the actual act uh, was you know more. More than two weeks ago at this point in time. Not a huge thing to discuss in terms of there was some joking about uh, avoiding Plumlee's contract and what, what it would take to do that. Uh, that's not going to be happening. Uh, I will say that with confidence. Uh, what I won't say, though, is that with any specifics on uh, where Plumlee is in the marijuana program, uh, that'd be the only way that he would get suspended here is if he would have a third offense um, in the marijuana program from the way that I'm interpreting it. Uh, fi- offenses one and two. Uh, this would be an obvious, this would be an offense just because uh, you know, an arrest triggers that uh, just in the same way that a positive positive test would um, at the same time. Uh, the first two offenses are just fines for Plumley. So unless we're up to a third offense, he would only get a fine in terms of actual NBA punishment. Um, in terms of uh, legal punishment, this is a class B misdemeanor. Um, it's punishable by up to three months, up, up to month, up to three months in jail, I should say. 
um, at the very, very high end, according to the jurisdiction where it actually took place. Obviously, we won't know for a while what the final thing is, if there, if anything even happens with this case. And but it was one of the one of those things in August that becomes a bigger deal nationally than it would have earlier on in the offseason or later in the offseason, just because there's nothing else going on. So what's one that actually hit the wire uh, by the t- by the end of the day, every single uh, basically you know every single outlet basically had uh, touched on it in some degree. So. The Hawks basically issued a no comment through Michael Cunningham of the AJC, the new beat writer over there, uh, new and former beat writer, I should say, over the, at the AJC. The Hawks didn't really give a huge uh, comment. It was basically a we're looking into it, and then they were aware of it, um, but not 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 a, not a big surprise given the Hawks' MO that they would not be uh, willing to speak about that uh, directly. But in terms of just overall impact on the basketball side, not really seeing that, honestly. Um, we'll see what happens in the future, but I'd be pretty surprised if there was any any real fallout here. And Plumlee, uh, if, this is a, if this is a more high-profile player it might be a bigger deal necessarily even if it's not a huge thing there's of course the uh at the same time when it came out there was a lot of discussion about whether marijuana should be legal blah 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 blah, blah in the comments of the story that i wrote of on, on, on peacetroops.com what i will say is uh you know new york's not new york's not a state where it is legal uh and obviously uh, neither is georgia so um you can't be doing that uh, and you know the story uh, originally has had talked about how it took place basically right in front of a police officer not ideal for Plumley, but again i'm not terribly worried um and we can kind of move on from there just because uh, it does, it's not a huge basketball issue, but it was certainly noteworthy this week. Uh, the other thing, of course, in the news realm is that Eurobasket is continuing. In fact, when you listen to this on Saturday, a couple of games probably are taking place or have already taken place. Uh, as I'm recording this, though, they're, they're the, we're, we're about to begin the knockout phase of the tournament. Um, this is a giant pool play event um, to be to just kind of put that out there uh, plainly. Uh, now, as of Saturday, the knockout portion of the event takes place, so teams are actually playing uh, with things on the line on a uh, on a on a day on a, on a game by game basis um, beginning on Saturday so we'll see some more of Dennis Schroeder and Marco Bellinelli but for the most part Schroeder has played has played well He's second in the tournament in scoring behind Gordon Dragic at 23.6 points per game. And he has a strong uh, 49-39-88 shooting splits. Very, very good for Dennis. The turnovers, not great. More than assists in the tournament, but at the same time, I'm not terribly worried about that. He's been giving, uh, you know, basically carrying a huge workload in terms of uh, what he's been asked to do for Germany. Not a huge surprise given the lack of talent there relatively. I mean, there's a couple of guys who could really play on the team, but, you know, Dirk's not there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as for Bellinelli... Uh, he's actually in a tie for 13th place for, in scoring, at about 17 a game, uh, shooting 49% almost from three-point range. So uh, that's going quite well as well. And he can kind of uh, obviously just bomb, bomb away from deep in this uh, in this situation. Uh, Germany plays France on Saturday morning. Again, probably as you're listening to this or already has happened. And then uh, Italy plays Finland on Saturday. If both teams win, they'll be uh, able to move on. If not, that'll be the end of the run for Schroeder and Bellinelli. But wanted to at least touch on that briefly as is the only thing that's actually back basketball related that's going on right now for the Hawks. Uh, from there, we can move on to something of a point guard preview. Um, just for a little bit of clarity's sake, you know, Josh Majette is on the roster um, in some way. I'm not going to touch on the guys who are camping bites. That's Josh Majette, who's uh, he, he's a step above that as a two-way player. He's going to be in the organization in some way, uh, probably, uh, you know, spending, well, he has to spend the majority of the season, but probably most of, uh, not all the season um, in Erie, uh, but he is on the roster. I will say that uh, I sort of, you know, my feelings are sort of out there on Majette. I think he's a very, very useful piece 
Tatis at the G League level. At the same time, I don't really see um, him coming on super strong to the point where he would be an emergency-only option uh, for the Hawks this season. Given the presence of Quinn Cook, I think it was at least more conceivable when the Hawks were only carrying two point guards that you could see Majette at some point. But now that there are three, I think it almost would take two injuries to get Majette up to the big league club for any long period of time. Uh, and given his age, he's 27. Um, again, he's he's a very good G League point guard. I just don't really see him as an NBA player. I could be wrong about that, but even in summer league, you can kind of tell his you know the physical limitations are uh, a problem for Majette. He's a very very good passer. I like his game um, because of that. His vision is very good. I think he'll be a huge help for some guys' development at the G League at the G League level. But at the same time, I don't really see it at the NBA level. So worth noting there. I will not be talking about Matt Kavanaugh either on, on, on a later podcast. He's he's the other uh, camp invite that we know about at this point. But uh, with that said, we can narrow in on, on the three guys who are definitely going to be on the roster. Uh, Quinn Cook is the first of them. Uh, I was a uh, huge, I was huge uh, about that signing at the time. I talked about it on the podcast that even before it happened. Uh, Cook is 24 years old. Um, for the most part, he's been a G League player to this point. He he does have um, 14 games of NBA experience. Last season with the Mavs and Pelicans, I thought he was fantastic in summer league, um, and that was not a big surprise to me. But in 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 the D League, which is now the G League, of course, he averaged uh, 26 points and seven re- seven assists per game last season with. Canton charge of 48% from the floor and 37% from three. Uh, he was very, very good. Um, it was the first team all first team all um, all D League point guard. Uh, definitely a, sort of a monster type of player uh, at that level. Of course, I'm not expecting that to happen necessarily at, at the uh, at the NBA level. I think Cook uh, will at least begin the season firmly behind Malcolm Delaney. I know some people have asked me, uh, and I understand. I understand why because I was so excited about Cook and whether I thought he would be able to overtake Delaney. I don't really see that. It, it, it would not be impossible. I would. It would blow me away if it happen early on. I think it would probably take uh, Delaney struggling mightily for that to actually take place, but Cook is a good third guy, and uh, he has he has reasonable size. He's a good shooter. Um, you know, he's listed. It's one of those things where I'm not sure if this is the, if the listed height is real, but he's listed at 6'2". He's a stocky guy. He's pretty strong. Um, he's, he's a good athlete. He, he's, he knows how to run, run run a team. I wish he was a little bit bigger. Might be a, a little bit more, uh, be able to play off the ball a little bit, but at the same time, uh, I could see a scenario where him and Delaney especially could play together if they had to, if they got a couple of injuries in the backcourt um, because uh, Delaney's a little bit bigger than Dennis Schroeder is, etc. But uh, I do like Cook, uh, you know, in terms of strengths and weaknesses. Uh, offensively, I think he is a, he's a, he's a gifted scorer. I'm not sure he's a pure facilitator, but he is definitely willing to pass and able to do so. He was more of a uh, more of a defense first or a shooter type, I think, at the college level at, at times, but definitely a gifted scorer. We, we, we've now seen that. His defense uh, is fine. I, I, I'm not going to tell you that he's going to be an above-average defensive player. There are some physical limitations there. I'm not sure he's uh, been dialed in, so it's kind of t- it's kind of difficult. I think he's one of those guys that could defend better um, at the NBA level than he almost did at the G League level because he's going to be putting out more uh, more effort on that end. I think he's going to. I think he knows he's going to have to play a little bit harder defensively than he uh, has in the past and already gone the court at the NBA level. But, you know, I like Cook quite a bit. I was very excited about that move. I don't want to go super deep into him because he's probably the, you know, 13th, 14th man on this roster, maybe even 15th if you look at it, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of Tower Dorsey and Nicholas Persino at this point. I think those are pretty pretty clear your bottom three in terms of guys who are uh, least established on the roster. But I do like Quinn Cook quite a bit. I'm excited. He's a very good third point guard option. Um, I don't think he's uh, necessarily I mean, more than that, he could, he could it could turn into a backup. That's one of the primary values in signing Quinn Cook is uh, it's a two-year contract. 
um, from what I've heard. Well, it was announced as a multi-year contract. I've heard as a two. Uh, it's been reported as a two as a two-year contract. I've heard the same. Uh, you know, the guarantee dates and stuff. It's kind of uh, fuzzy at this point in time, but I think he's going to be around for at least this season. If he breaks out, the Hawks can keep him for another year. You know, Malcolm Delaney hits free agency after this season as a backup. You know, Dennis Schroeder is locked up uh, long term, but um, behind him, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. So if Quinn Cook were to hit, and the Hawks could keep him around for another year on on a very very cheap you know minimum contract for next year, I'd be a good value. If he doesn't work out, they can sort of cut bait if they want to. But I do like Quinn Cook quite a bit, and he'll be around. Um, I'd be pretty surprised. People have asked me uh, just sort of a final thing about Cook. Uh, if I thought he was a chance that he could get cut in training camp, I don't really see that necessarily. Uh, it's not a situation where they have too many guys. They have 15 guys that look pretty clearly look like they're going to be on the team. Majet would be number 16, um, but a two-way contract does not apply to uh, the 15-man roster, and I, and I just can't imagine anybody else that we've heard of taking his spot, and really there's not really anybody out there on the waiver wire that I would prefer to Cook either. So uh, I think he'll be around, and uh, I will enjoy his work. Um, moving on to Malcolm Delaney, uh, the 28-year-old will be a second-year player uh, this season. Uh, I am very, very high on Malcolm. I've said that uh, numerous times in the podcast. If you're a new listener, this will, this will be all be new to you, but if you're a Peter listener, you would know that I'm, uh, I'm higher on Delaney than most. Um, that's for sure. Uh, I will say uh, he did not shoot the ball well last year. There's no way around that. You know, that was the Achilles heel for Malcolm as a rookie in the NBA, an old rookie, but a rookie nonetheless. He shot 37% from the floor and 24% from three um, on the season. Uh, not a huge sample size, you know, only took 110 threes on the year. And uh, I'll say this ad nauseum, it has said this ad nauseum, but he's been an above average shooter every single place he's ever been, you know, college level in Europe. He was a, it was a, a dynamic shooter and scorer in Europe. I just cannot imagine a scenario where he shoots this poorly again for a season. You know, how good he actually is as a three point shooter at the NBA line is up for debate. I will, I'll be the first to admit that at the same time, I just can't imagine him shooting this poorly. And that was sort of the, the one problem that I had with Malcolm that anybody had was that he just couldn't he couldn't knock down shots. You know, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be uh, dynamic off the dribble. Uh, he's not going to be getting you all the way to the rim off the dribble. But he's he's a reasonable facilitator. I actually thought he defended better than I thought he would have as a rookie last year in the NBA. But uh, it's all going to come down to the jump shot. He's very, very solid otherwise. The Hawks were good with him on the court last year. It's something that even national guys have sort of noticed that the Hawks were uh, better in general with Delaney on the court. I don't, I'm not going to tell you he's better than a shooter because he's not. Um, but at the same time, the Hawks did play well with him around. He just kind of knows what he's doing. He's, he's a professional basketball player. He gets it. He knows, he knows what, he doing, what he's doing on both ends of the floor. He just has to make shots. That's something that we just can't uh, we can't know, quote-unquote, know if he's going to make shots. But at the same time, I expect him to shoot a lot better. Would not blow me away if he shot in the mid to high 30s from three this year. I think he was been, uh, he's been on the record and the fact that he was going through a lot last year uh, coming over from Europe also had his, uh, his brother pass away and that's a very, very good piece on him um, from ESPN's Undefeated uh, that I would recommend you guys reading. Malcolm has uh, been, been vocal about the fact that he was going through a lot a season ago. I think he'll be more settled in this year and uh, the jump shot will probably be uh, returning as a result of that just because it's, again, been there everywhere he's ever been and uh, I'm making on a, a big time bounce back in that area. I'm not going to tell you that he's anything more than an average backup probably and he is you know the ceiling is a little bit limited because he is an older guy having starred in Europe for so many years before he came over but I still think that's a bargain contract um, for what he's being paid that'll be very interesting after this season especially if he plays well like I think he probably will um, because he'll be a restricted free agent but he'll be 28 when he hits for such free agency um, um, actually he'll be um, 
He'll actually be 29 when he's restricted free agency. He'll be turning 29 in uh, in March. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Again, as I've mentioned that with Cook before, is that the Hawks have a couple decisions to make next summer. But uh, I do like Malcolm. We'll see what happens uh, you know, with, with his shooting. But everything else I was pretty impressed with last year. He's a very steadying influence and sort of a nice uh, alternate to Dennis Schroeder because Schroeder is definitely more, vol- more of a volatile player. Uh, you know, Much better player than Delaney at this point. I don't think anybody w- would dispute that. But at the same time, uh, here we are. Uh, as for Schroeder, we can sort of get there. I'm not trying not to languish too long on these guys because you know we'll, we'll talk about them quite a bit throughout the season. I don't want to. This doesn't have to be a, a, an extensive preview necessarily. In the fact that um, most of these guys, especially the guys who've been around for a minute, and you know Cook is sort of the last guy that we've added. Uh, we've we've all seen them. For, if you listen to this podcast, I assume you're a pretty uh, pretty diehard fan. So I don't want to run through too much uh, in detail of these guys, but worth noting anyway. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, obviously the. Uh, I would think it's pretty clearly the best player on this team returning. Um, there's a scenario, and I've said this numerous times, where he's not the best player at the end of the year on the team. I do, I do think that a guy like Torian Prince could jump up if he has a great if he has a great second season and be a more valuable on court asset um, in terms of the contract. I'm not even talking about that, but uh, just on court player. But Dennis Schroeder was very good um, at, at times last year. He was excellent in the playoffs. I will say he was impressive to me in the playoffs, averaging 25 and eight a game against the Wizards. He shot the ball very well for. Three three-point range and took a lot of threes, took almost seven threes a game. I don't think he's going to be a 43% three-point shooter um, for a full season, but he was very impressive uh, offensively in that series. And even defensively, I thought he gave much better effort in the playoffs than he did during the regular season a year ago. That's one of my big concerns with Dennis at this point in time is the full-time workload that he had last year. It was the first year we saw that from him, and his defense really slipped in a full-season uh, perspective. I hope he can bounce back a little bit there. He's still very young, and he has the tools. I think he's, he's been an average at least, or, or at least a little bit, maybe above that defender at times in his career uh, when he was playing uh, behind Jeff Teague off the bench. But we just didn't see that last year um, in terms of uh, inconsistency. So we'll see if that happens this year. It's one of my big questions about Dennis. But, uh, you know, he does have the talent to do it. We'll just see if that he's able to generate the consistency offensively. Um, his numbers were, of course, good. His counting stats were very, very strong. You know, 18 points, 6 assists per game. He shot 45% from 3, which is uh, 45% from the field, I should say, which was a career high, and 34% from 3, which is one of his better marks, uh, higher than his career average, a career best 49% effective field goal percentage, and also a career best uh, – 53% true shooting percentage because he's a very good free throw shooter, uh, 85.5% last year. Not a huge volume, only three attempts a game. That's one thing that I'd like to see him do a little bit better is getting just getting to the line. He's a good free throw shooter, but with the way, with the way that he's going to have so much usage this year, I'd like to see Dennis get to the line a little bit more, add some craft, add some strength around the rim. Um, for the most part, he really likes to do some speed layups and things around the rim because he is so fast. Uh, he can get to the rim and get by almost anybody in the league off the dribble, but his finishing's never been great. We've seen some strides on that. I think that's something that he can definitely improve on. His jumper, same thing. It came a long way last year. It's it's much cleaner, much smoother than it used to be. Um, at the same time, I'm not sure I buy him as anything more than a you know mid to low 30s three point shooter at this point. I think it would be good if he shot you know 36, 37 percent for a full season. We'll see if that happens. But his mid range shooting was quite good last year, and it's something that I was impressed by. It's probably was one of his better skills offensively a year ago. So we'll see if he, if he can keep that uh, that mark up. It'd be huge if he could. I do think though. His usage rate's going to go up. Um, he's going to leave the team in usage rate uh, almost certainly. It was 28% last year. I think it probably will crack 30% on a team that does not have Paul Millsap. Uh, we talked about this ad nauseum as well, but Dennis Schroeder has... Uh, 
you know, he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time this year. You know, last year he had a ball in his hands quite a bit as well, but even less playmaking on the team with Millsap gone now when a guy like Ilyasova who can definitely play offense and be effective offensively, but not going to have a guy who's going to be creating a lot for himself necessarily. So I would look for Dennis to be a top 10-ish guy in the league in terms of usage rate. Uh, and he'll probably, he will certainly be the worst player uh, in the league on that list, if that makes sense. Uh, most of the top guys that have that kind of 30% usage rate are usually, uh, at least in a full-time role, are usually your star-level players. Dennis is not that, but it's not his fault necessarily that the Hawks are going to be playing with a lot, without a whole lot of firepower around him. So we'll keep an eye on his usage rate throughout the season. I'll be talking about him quite extensively because he is, again, the best player on the team. Uh, his upside is up for debate. I'm not a huge into Schroeder's upside. I think he probably would think he maxes out somewhere as a mid tier starter and that would be very good honestly I think that's uh it's a good value on his contract if he becomes a mid-tier starter I think last year I would have had him somewhere in the 23-24 range among starting point guards in the NBA which is not awful um given his age and the fact that he is paid uh, a reasonable amount it's only about 16 million a year that's perfectly fine for a uh a low-end starter at point guard especially with one one that has some upside because he is young uh, this is a big year though for Dennis I will say because uh a lot of the things that uh, we saw a year ago he kind of got a, a, a little bit a little bit of a pass on because of the fact that he it was his first year as a full time starter. That excuse kind of goes away now. I will say, and I think I think offensively, aside from not having Millsap, this team's going to have more more spacing, more free flowing nature without Dwight Howard on the court and a couple of other things. Um, I just don't think that I, I think this is going to look a lot more like like a Mike Budenholzer team in terms of playing style. Um, you know, obviously the quality would be a little bit down across the board. That's not that's not on Dennis by any means, but um, I think it'll probably either help or uh, stagnate him a little bit based on what we could see there. So I'm not I'm not 100% sure it's going to be a coming out party season for Dennis, but the, the stage is sort of set here. I think he's going to average somewhere around you know 20.7 assists a game because you kind of have the ball in his hands all the time. Um, he, could, he, he certainly could be one of those players, though, that the stats are better than he actually is. That's something that I've seen already with a lot of Hawks fans thinking that Dennis is better than he is because of the stats, and I understand it. You have, you have to look very closely, um, and the situation is very important because he does have the ball in his hands so often. And again, that's not his fault by any means. So I do like Dennis. We'll see what happens uh, in year two as a full-time starter, year five in the league. Um, it's hard, to believe, hard for me to believe that Dennis has been around for that long, but uh, he'll be turning 24 here in mid-September, only a couple days from now. So uh, happy early birthday, Dennis Shooter, and uh, hopefully he'll be fantastic this season for the Hawks because if the Hawks, if you if you believe in the Hawks winning 30-plus games this year, which I don't really buy, I think it's at least possible. If you believe in that, I think you're believing heavily in Dennis Shooter because if he's not better than he was a year ago, that's not that's just not going to happen. And I think he will be better because that's just sort of the aging curve that he's on. He's still He was still very young, you know, going from year four to year five. A lot of guys, especially uh, with uh, as much talent as he has, uh, will be getting better uh, in, in this age range. I think it's, it's safe to assume that he'll get better, just how much better is up for debate here, and I think it would not blow me away if the numbers were just a touch better, even if he shot the ball a little bit worse, because I think last year was by far his best shooting season, could have been a little bit fluky, we'll see if that translates, but I do like Dennis, he's going to have a big year, I like, I like him in fantasy a lot, I visited with Josh Lloyd on the, on the Locked on Fantasy podcast uh, last week and talked a lot about Dennis, I think he's going to put up huge numbers, so if you play fantasy basketball, please invest in Dennis, I think he's going to be very good in terms of that, but uh Actual impact, it kind of depends on defense and uh, shot making, and those are things that I'm not sure about, so we'll see how he plays this season. 
Uh, thanks for listening, as always, to the podcast. It's going to do it for today's show. Uh, I do apologize for a little, a little bit of a delay, but a nice, uh, a nice rare Saturday podcast. Get you guys through the weekend and uh, sort of tide you over until football is over for the weekend as well. So thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, all those places you can find podcasts, as well as f- check out my writing and this podcast if you want to do that at peachtreehoops.com, where uh, all your Hawks content could be found uh, selfishly as I'm the editor and lead writer over there at Peachtree Hoops. So Thanks for listening. As always, everybody, we'll see you guys next week. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.